Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. Today, we are talking about relativism. How relative is the concept of leadership? Is it all just a game of relativism? Is it all opinions, beliefs, individual beliefs? Is there no standard objectivity in leadership? Are there no universal ideas or universal truths in the world of leadership? That's what we're going to talk about today. Building off our last episode where I tried to make the argument that leadership and philosophy should be fused and the reasons why today I think I'll make a, another compelling case as to what philosophy can bring to leadership. All right, hope you enjoy this show. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Welcome back, friends. Welcome to the Nerve Center of Leadosophy. Glad you can join us, whether you're watching or you're listening. If you like what you hear today, feel free to subscribe. Let your friends know that they can geek out on some philosophy and leadership and mash them together. Be a good time, I promise. We're going to get real nerdy on some philosophy today. So I posed a question on my Leadosophy Facebook group. And the question was simple. Why is there no universally agreed upon definition of leadership? How comes we, how comes, I don't know, can you say how comes? Why can we not agree upon a universal definition of leadership? That was my question. I got some good feedback, which made me go down the rabbit hole of relativism, and I'll explain. So I want to read just a, a few of the comments that I got about the universal definition of leadership or its lack of existence. Someone commented, maybe because great leadership is something that is true only in the eyes of the beholder, and we all have different tastes. How do you define or describe what is sexy? How do you define fun? How do you define delicious? And I agree, those are matters of taste. Is leadership just a matter of taste to individuals? Someone commented that team composition, different team compositions, the missions, the objectives, national and regional cultures, personality typing are all reasons why leadership can't be pinned down to a, to a universal definition. And I agree with those sentiments. Someone talked about Differing opinions on what people consider a leader. Deferring opinions on what people consider a leader. I agree with that as well. In Greek, doxa is a common belief or popular opinion. In classical rhetoric, doxa is contrasted with episteme, which is a philosophical term that refers to a principled system of understanding scientific knowledge. I talk about epistemology on the show a lot of time. It's the theory of knowledge. It's also a subfield of philosophy. I'm even wearing a sweatshirt where I love to, to display the idea of epistemology. How do we know what we know? How can we prove that we have knowledge in a particular subject or a particular task? I know how to ride a bike. How do I, how do I show that to somebody? Well, it's very easy. I get on it and ride. How do I know that I know how to lead? Can I demonstrate that? You might believe that that may get a little trickier is we try to demonstrate that we know how to lead. 
someone else commented, they said that if we could break leadership down into a simple set of measurements and goals, it would cease to be a living, evolving concept and become a static ideal like management. The person goes on to say, it's why English as a language is such a mess. Competing grammar, spelling, new words that mean nothing to the old. Anything alive is changing all the time. I agree with that. Change, constant change. Leadership might be dynamic. It's constantly evolving. We can't pin it down. It's like whack-a-mole sometimes. That's, I like to use the metaphor whack-a-mole. You think you have an idea what leadership is, you whack the mole and it's gone. Pops up somewhere else. And then someone else commented, I think it has something to do with leadership meaning different things to different people or situations. Leadership in the military probably looks very different than leadership in an animal shelter. And I, I thought that was a very good comment. That was a great example. And I actually commented back to the person. I asked him a question. I said, are there no principles that you could distill from military leadership and animal shelter leadership that transcend both job types that apply both to both equally? Is there nothing that we can pull out of both of those different, completely different job types that can be applied across the board? I don't know. What are your thoughts? So is leadership, this is my next question. This is what led me down this road of relativism. Is leadership wholly a relative concept? And if it is a relative concept, how do you teach it? If you're a boss, how do you judge leadership if it's relative? Is it just based on your own judgments and what your idea of leadership is? How does one judge leadership experience if we can't pin down the concept of leadership, if there is no objectivity, no universal statements or generalities that we can make about leadership or about leaders? Are there no universal statements that we can make? Is leadership less like a clock and more like a pile of sand? Let me explain this metaphor here. So if you take a clock, maybe like a really old-time clock that sits on a shelf, the one you maybe have to wind up, if leadership was that clock, you could essentially pull that clock apart all the way down. You could strip it all the way down to individual parts. And you could look at the individual parts and the components and maybe find out what are the key components of this clock where if they weren't there, the clock would cease to work. It would be useless. Is leadership like the clock or is leadership more like a pile of sand? If I was going to pick up a pile of sand and put it on my hand and say, this is leadership, let's break it down. As soon as I pull my hands apart a little bit and I try to start pulling that apart, it just sifts through our hands and it's gone. You look in your hands and there's nothing there. Is leadership more like that? Maybe the individual grains of sand are simply our opinions about what leadership is or what leadership is not. So I want to go to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. I want to move to philosophical, our philosophical understanding of relativism. What is relativism? It's actually a concept discussed in philosophy a lot. I'll try to briefly explain the philosophical understanding of relativism and how it applies to a range of topics from ethics to morality and to leadership. I think we can, we can make the application to leadership without forcing the application to leadership. So if you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate it. I have up Stanford Encyclopedia's, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy's webpage on relativism. Again, this is my go-to, one of my number one, if I have a philosophical idea I want to kind of do some research on, I usually first go to Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. It's just really well put together, really well organized. 
very thorough. Sometimes it's, it's too dense for me. I can't even get it. Sometimes I wonder if I even am a philosopher because there's just some concepts that my brain can't handle. Anyways, so I want to read what they say about what is relativism. We're going to talk about relativism. We're going to try to make the application to leadership. They write, relativism, roughly put, is the view that truth and falsity, right and wrong, standards of reasoning and procedures of justification are products of differing conventions and frameworks of assessment and that their authority is confined confined to the context giving rise to them. And they're talking the specific context. More precisely, relativism covers views which maintain that at least some class of things have the properties they have, such as beautiful, morally good, whatever, only relative to a given framework or assessment. And we talk about local cultural norms, individual standards, which is what I'm going to talk about and really harp on. And that the truth of claims attributing these properties holds only once the relative framework of assessment is specified or supplied. Relativism has been, in its various guises, both one of the most popular and most reviled philosophical doctrines of our time. Relativism in the the world of philosophy, there are some people that have a lot of issues. When you have a philosopher who really wants to pin down some, some concrete, a concrete argument, they're often not a huge fan of, of relativism when it comes to certain concepts. So defenders of relativism see it as a harbinger of tolerance and the only ethical and epistemic stance worthy of the open-minded and tolerant. Detractors of relativism dismiss it for its alleged incoherence and uncritical intellectual permissiveness. Debates about relativism permeate the whole spectrum of philosophical sub-disciplines, and I would say relativism permeates the idea of leadership. That's where I'm going with this. So I want to continue on here on on Stanford Encyclopedia Encyclopedia of Philosophy. I just want to finish this up with how do we define something? So you can define a concept. We talked about leadership, how do you define leadership? Well, you can define leadership negatively. What does that mean? That means you can define leadership by what it is not. If leadership is not this, if it is not this, then it's got to be something else. That's how you define something negatively. So they talk about relativism being defined negatively. And it's rejected by a number of interconnected philosophical positions. Relativism is contrasted with, here's the first one, absolutism which is the view that at least some truths or values in the relevant domain apply to all times, places, or social and cultural frameworks. They are universal and not bound by historical or social conditions. Absolutism is often used as the key contrast idea to relativism. So how I see that is I see it as a spectrum. On the far left end of the spectrum is relativism. On the far right hand of the spectrum is absolutism. And if you're envisioning this spectrum in your mind, where does leadership fall on this spectrum? I think that's one of the things I try to, I'm trying to make sense of from a leadosophy standpoint. Where, how far to the left of the spectrum is leader, does leadership fall? And I'll talk about kind of what I think or where I think it kind of falls. And again, I don't, I don't know if we can pin it down exactly somewhere on a spectrum. And nor do I think that it has to be an either or concept. It has to be totally an absolutist concept. Or it has to be a totally relativism or relativistic concept. A couple other views or frameworks besides absolutism and relativism. One is objectivism. 
It's a position that cognitive, ethical, and aesthetic norms and values in general, but truth in particular, are independent of judgments and beliefs of particular times and places. Or in other words, they are mind independent. And I have some notes on this because I want to know, are there some truths or values in the realm of leadership that are objectively true, independent of our individual ideas or beliefs about leadership? An example. Here's an example that I can think of, and I don't even know if this is a really good example, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Our ethical treatment of others, and this goes to obviously in the realm of leadership, an example might be fairness. May, fairness may transcend how we treat someone or how fair we treat someone in a particular circumstance, in a particular context, or how a particular group views the idea of fairness. Maybe this is some sort of objective idea, the idea of fairness. Another philosophical kind of framework is called monism, M-O-N-I-S-M, monism. It's the view that in any given area or topic subject to disagreement, there can be no more than one correct opinion, judgment, or norm. The relativist often wishes to allow for a plurality of equally valid values or even truths. So is there any monistic idea that applies to leadership. So relatives, relative, relativists might believe that we can co-create truths or new ideas, and they may emerge from a synthesis of your idea, my idea about leadership. We can, we can come up with a new truth about leadership. Monist, monism would reject this. They would reject it, reject it wholly. A monistic philosophical position that might work with leadership is the idea that leadership can only exist when two or more humans form a relation. Absent two or more people, there can be no leadership or leadership ceases to exist. So in this idea about leadership is at a minimum of two people, is there wiggle room here for a plurality of opinions? Can there be an opinion that rejects what I just said, that, re- that leadership is at a minimum two people or more? So that's... Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophies, description of relativism, absolutism, a few other concepts I threw in there, but I kind of want to stick with relativism and, and the, the highly contrasting idea of absolutism because I, I think that gives a, the biggest picture that we can kind of pull from. So uh, some final points on relativism based off what we just read. So maybe leadership comes down to individual standards. Is it possible what are your thoughts on that? Does leadership just solely come down to individual standards? Because that was one of the frameworks that Stanford talked about as far as relativism. Your, your individual standard is a framework for evaluating a concept, finding the truth, or making a judgment about a concept. That's legitimate. The relativist would say that's okay. Leadership, or our concept of it, how we define leadership, and even how we should practice leadership Again, I think possibly exists somewhere on a scale between relativism and absolutism. And I'm, I'm not taking the easy road out. I mean, it's easy. We can say it's somewhere on the scale. And I'm not trying to take an easy way out of the discussion. So I will argue that, or leadosophy will argue, that leadership is much closer to relativism on the spectrum. For reasons such as there's no agreed upon definition. Whether leaders are liked or disliked might be more a matter of taste. One of the 
Facebook commenter said that. It's a matter of taste. It's like looking at defining sexy or what tastes good or flavors of ice cream. I have a hard time kind of putting leadership solely in that this person likes strawberry, this person likes chocolate. That's just end of the day. There's something that doesn't sit right with me with, with leadership using that metaphor. But again, what one person specifically desires in a leader may differ narrowly or may differ widely from someone else. What's required from a leader may differ significantly from boss to boss, job type to job type, and even differently, say, in, in a community, if you're on a community project, or even in politics. If we go to these different areas where we claim we need leadership, the idea of relativism seems to hold far more than any absolutist principle. So it seems, that's what it kind of seems intuitively anyways. Another point, there's a compelling argument that leadership is largely situational. Every situation is unique and gives rise to certain leadership characteristics or traits that are required for that exact or that specific situation. And that the law of identity applies. A equals A. A cannot be B. So if you have a particular leadership moment and you used these tools to, to navigate that leadership moment, if another moment comes up in the future, it can never be identical as the one in the past. Something will change. You may not notice it, but something will be different. Conditions will change because it's a law of identity. The previous situation can never be identical to the, to the future situation. So that will change. The context will change. Different leadership theories or styles or, again, characteristics and traits will be needed. It, and again, it's relative to the situation. Another point, is it possible that how one judges and compares the quality of two different leaders might be more like how one judges the quality and beauty of a painting or the beauty of two paintings together? Two people can judge the same leader as good or bad and make a compelling case with entirely different arguments and supporting reasons as to why he or she liked that leader or why they both liked that leader. They could come up with two completely different arguments. That's fascinating. Another point in the bucket of relativism, there's a wide array of leadership theories and leadership styles, and many are attractive and effective in some way. In some specific context or in some specific leadership situation, and again, I want to I want to cite a little paragraph or just a, a sentence out of the standard uh, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy describing relativism. And once you hear this, what what comes to mind? They write, "quote There are instances instances of long-standing disagreement, such that the disputants are very plausibly talking about the same subject matter." I'll use leadership here, right? What makes a great leader? And they may genuinely disagree with each other. And yet no amount of information and debate enables them or us to resolve the disagreement. And moreover, in such cases, it can seem that neither side seems to have made any obvious mistake. This goes right to what I was reading off Facebook, my Facebook comments. All of the ideas were different from one another, but no one was, it didn't seem like anyone was wrong. They all had good ideas about why there's no universal definition of leadership. So that's, that's my application to, to, to leadership in general. There are a lot of reasons why I believe leadership may fall way more in the camp of relativism than on the other end of the spectrum for absolutism. 
I have tried. One of my missions was to, with Leadosophy, was try to pull apart some universal truths that can apply across all time and space in the realm of leadership. Doesn't matter what job, doesn't matter what you're in your community, within the home, coaching a football team, well, it doesn't matter. There are some universal truths or ideas or beliefs about leadership that hold across all of those. It is a difficult thing to do because it seems when you think you have pinned down a universal idea about leadership, you can find a counterexample or someone comes up with a counterexample that explodes that idea, which almost pushes it back into the idea of relativism. So I'll kind of leave it up to you to make the case that there exists room for absolutism in the realm of leadership or any other philosophical positions. If you, I'll put the link up to this, this site. And if you get real bored and want to read some Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, go for it. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. So thanks for watching this episode on leadership and relativism. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.